Love the Lord. Somebody say amen. amen. And I feel like the Lord gave me a word for this congregation tonight. And uh, in the month of February, we're dealing with our love for God. And uh, Sunday morning, we heard about God's love for us. Uh, this Sunday, we'll hear about God's love in us. And the next Sunday, we'll hear about God's love through us. Uh, and in regard to that, I think that has to do with who we are and what we are here tonight. I'm thankful for the love of God in our hearts. Somebody say amen. And uh, I encourage you, to, if you weren't here Sunday, be sure and hear the podcast. Amen. That's no reason to, uh, to, to stay away just because you can catch up on services. There is assembly required. Somebody say amen. It's good to be here with God's people. Remember all of our prayer needs. We've got a lot of folks that are sick and afflicted. <laughs> amen. Somebody say amen. And so we want to remember those in prayer tonight. I want to draw your attention to uh, what I'm going to share with you tonight. I'm going to talk about the body of Christ. Everybody say the body of Christ. We have that going yet. Sister Casey has been giving us some trouble. That's, that's good. Well, that's a unique feature. I've never seen that feature. <laughs> uh, that'll work. That'll work. Uh, there it is. Okay, there we go. Everybody say the body of Christ. Thank you, Casey. Good job. Good job. Amen. Every week that thing decides to do something different. So we, uh, we understand that. Romans chapter 12, verse, verses 1 through 5. Romans 12, verses 1 through 5. Man, was that Rissa's baby doing all that hollering? Might know it's not Ryan and Amber's, it's Rissa's. Huh? Todd's baby. Oh, oh, Todd's not here, is he? That's, that's Todd's baby. Oh, oh my goodness. That was pretty loud, is what I'm saying. That was, that was, uh, got my attention. Mike Pinster? Okay. Mike quit pinching them babies. Mike's wanting to get to go out and look at the moon or something, so he's pinching the baby. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you need your mind renewed tonight. <laughs> I guess you should turn to him and tell him, I need my mind renewed tonight. Amen. Verse 3, let's read it out loud together. For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body... And all members have not the same office. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. I want you to focus on that last part of verse 5. We, being many, are one body. Everybody say one body. One body. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this privilege we have tonight. Lord, I pray you would touch us, strengthen us. God, I thank you for the saints of God that are here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to be in church, Lord. God, I pray that you would have your way in the next few moments. Do your work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, let us hear your word. Let us uh, hear it and mix it with faith, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Uh, when we uh, think about the book of Romans, uh, we're focusing here tonight on chapter 12. Uh, I want to draw your attention to a couple of things before I uh, get going here tonight. Paul is, is trying to lead God's people to see how they have been brought out of sin and, and purchased by God. Uh, we find in the first eight chapters, he he specifically, in fact, in two sections in chapter 1 till about chapter 
5, verse 11 or 12, he deals with a number of things. And then uh, beginning from that point to the end of chapter 8, he deals with some other things. And chapter 9, 10, and 11 are almost a parenthesis in the last portion uh, of these chapters. He's talking about the love of Christ and uh, who bought us and who purchased us and we are not our own. And Paul is trying to convince the church at Rome that we have been brought out of sin and brought to God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And this is followed by an exhortation to the consecration and presentation of the body of Christ, which is the church, to do the will of God. He said you've been bought with a price, you've been brought out of the world into the family of God, so now you are a body, it is time for you to consecrate to do the will of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. And then Paul begins to deal with what the body of Christ is and what it means to be a part of it. Amen. Now the body of Christ is something very, very Significant, and I pray that you would see that tonight. The body of Christ is something that I think we're not fully aware of how it is put together and how it interacts together and what it means to be a part of it. I want to take it seriously. I don't want to just be a child of God in word, I want to be a child of God in deed. Somebody say amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, Indeed. Indeed. In fact, the body of Christ is so significant, and uh, I believe even uh, asking God for a heavenly revelation in Romans chapter 16, Paul deals with some mysteries, and the body of Christ is one of those because he spends a lot of time talking about what the body of Christ is. With this in mind, we have to consider our conception of salvation, our thoughts about the cross, our thoughts about the Holy Ghost, our thoughts about spiritual experiences, and we have to uh, temper those with God, God thoughts about salvation, and what does God think about the cross, and what does God think about the Holy Spirit that's given to us, and what does God think about spiritual experiences that I have. I think it's very important that we recognize God has some thoughts that are way above my thoughts. And so when I begin to think about my spiritual experiences and the cross in my life and the Holy Ghost, uh, that's very important that I think about it and that I consider it, but I need to know what God thinks about it. Somebody say amen. And let me give you an example Uh, When I think about the cross, I mentioned it Sunday, I can't talk about it, preach about it without uh, it doing something in me. Uh, When I think about the great price that Jesus paid for us to be here tonight, it's a wonderful thing to be a part of the body. uh, but, But to recognize that the cross is not an end in itself, Jesus did not die just to die. It is not the end, it is the means to an end. He was on that cross and gave his life for our life for a reason. For a reason. And uh, he shed his blood for a reason. Uh, That that, uh, terrible uh, weight of sin that was upon him and the great price that he paid. Uh, there, was, uh, there, w- there was a reason for all of that. And I would like to say to you tonight, and I think biblically we can find it, uh, I believe that was for me personally. I believe that it's not God's will that any should perish. I believe the Lord doesn't, I don't believe the Lord wants anybody lost. But I also need to understand that that cross was to purchase What we would call a bride, uh, we would call that the body of Christ. (laughs) Somebody say amen. Now that means there is a subject that we may not delve into very deeply tonight, dealing with predestination, whether uh, each one of us are individually predestinated 
to be saved or lost, and God knows that already, and in spite of uh, our choices or our will or any of that, God has just decided who's going to be saved and who isn't. I believe predestination deals with the body of Christ. There is going to be a church. There is going to be a group of people that are called by his name. There is, somebody say amen. He's going to have a bride. It tells us what that bride is like in the book of Revelation. But my, uh, my attendance and my participation in that bride is up to me. Amen. And so that cross was not just to purchase salvation for me individually. It was to form a bride that had been bought with that blood, purchased with that blood. Amen. The church of the living God. Jesus said it to Peter on this rock, I'll build my church. Oh, praise God. Well, I'm going to have church up here anyway. I'm not sure what you guys are going to have, but I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm thankful for the body. I'm, I'm thankful that the blood was to produce and build a church, the church of the living God. I want to be a part of it. And if you want to be a part of it, clap your hands under the Lord just to wake yourself up a little bit. Amen. So there are important things. Personal holiness is very important. It's very precious. Personal salvation is very precious. Somebody say amen. My victory is very important, whether I'm victorious or whether I'm defeated. That's very important. Victory is very precious to me individually. But remember, God did not save us to give us spiritual experiences like deliverance and victory and holiness and all those other things. He did not save us just to give us those things individually. Today's trouble is this. We see God's people. You want to call them Christians if you would. We see Christians in terms of many people having their own individual experiences. You hear people saying, well, that's the way you believe it. I don't believe it. I don't see that. I don't see this. Now we've got all these little uh, individualistic experiences uh, and, and I think we need to be real careful and understand what God feels about all this. Somebody say amen. amen. We see salvation as an individual experience. Well, that's what you think it takes to be saved. That's not why I, I think this. And I, think, I, I, I want victory and I want it for myself. And who cares about deliverance and holiness and all those things we see in individualistic terms. I just came to get me something from God. I just want the Lord to touch me tonight. Have you ever, has it ever crossed your mind to count how many times personal pronouns come out of your mouth? Me, my, I, mine. <laughs> We're pretty self-centered people. This is what I think about it. Like people want to know what you think about it. <laughs> you know, when I was a little boy, they, they told you sitting around the table. I, you know, I didn't understand it then. I I understand it more now. Uh, don't, don't speak unless you're spoken to. And we get some, we, you know, as a child, you get some breathtaking revelation and you want to share it with everybody. <laughs> you know, there, there are times just to be silent. I remember uh, we went to church one Sunday and, and my mother was a Sunday school teacher and played the organ and uh, was very involved, and my, my dad was getting stuff out of the back of the car. We had a big old uh, a Chrysler, uh, huge boat of a car, and uh, my, my dad was getting stuff out of the back. My mother needed for Sunday school class, and my little sister, Lisa, was leaning into the trunk, nosy, looking into the trunk, and dad was handing stuff to mom this way, and he turns back and slams that trunk down right on the top of my little sister's head and just splits her head wide open. Blood went everywhere. So we all rushed into church, and my stepdad drove Lisa to the hospital, and so they were sitting out in the parking lot after church, and we all climbed in the car, and there's Lisa. You remember the day they used to have that armrest in between the seats in the front? Lisa was sitting right in the middle. We drove all the way home with her sitting right there on, that, on the arm of that seat. Boy, they can't do that anymore. Anyway, there she sat, and she, the top of her head was all shaved off. She had a bunch of stitches across the top of her head, and... And I all of a sudden had a great desire to say something. 
I was four years old when she was born. I was probably six, five or six at this point. In a five and six year old brain, all of a sudden I had enlightenment. I just had to share it with everybody. I just needed to know some things. And I was sitting in the back seat and I didn't want anybody else to hear me, but I didn't know how to ask this very important question. You know, I thought, well, if I whisper, maybe nobody will hear me. So I whispered up to my mom, Mom, is she going to be retarded? (laughs) Real smart, real smart. Probing questions, inquiring minds want to know. And we've got to know right now. I need my heart put at ease because I'm worried about my little sister. Not realizing who had slammed the trunk on my little sister's head is sitting in the front seat. And I think mother doesn't hear me. And I say, Mom, is Lisa going to be retarded? Mom just keeps looking out the front window. I think she doesn't hear me. So I rear back with full voice. Mom, is Lisa going to be retarded? Oh, shut up, Calvin. (laughs) No, she's not. What's wrong with you? I don't know. I think she did turn out maybe. She's a little little demented or something. No. In my, you know, in my heart, I think... I think the whole world revolves around me. You know, to some degree, I think what makes me happy is my business and I deserve it. Until kids come along and then you realize you don't deserve much, do you? (laughs) It's going to be a long time before you get any of that stuff you think is going to make you happy. Well, this is what I want. This is... And if we're not careful, that bleeds over into our walk with God. Well, this, you know, this is what I want the church to be, and this is what I want the preacher to be. And if my preacher's not preaching, I won't be there. If they don't sing my songs, I'm not going to be there. I don't like that one, and I don't like the way they do this. And I don't. Well, sure. We got this huge individualistic mentality about what the body is, where all these individual people saved by the grace of Jesus Christ and I'm talking about the body of Christ tonight. And I want us to see things in terms of the body of Christ the way God sees it. And if the way he sees it is that way, then we are okay to continue in that form. We're okay to think the church is here to bless me and help me and touch me and, and take care of my needs. And if I, this is what I and I and I and my and my and mine, and I'm here to get my blessing, I'm here to get my victory and my, 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 my. Huh. Well, let's find out what God thinks about it. Let's talk about the plan of God. Everybody say the plan of God. Has it ever occurred to you that the plan of God was one man? Ladies, I don't know where that puts you at all. (laughs) This is not a marriage seminar. We're not talking about one man for life. That'd be a good seminar. Everybody say one man. God's plan was one man. And we know who that man is. That man is Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says, Paul said, in him we live and move and have our being. That's God's plan. One man, and that man is the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. In fact, Ephesians 2.15, let's look at this. Beginning with verse 15, we'll go down to the 22nd verse. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, For to make in himself, everybody said, say in himself. To make in himself, say in himself. Of twain, what? That means two. He's making of two in himself one new man. Everybody say one. I want you to know right now there's one body of Christ. There's not 100,000 bodies of Christ. There's not 15 million bodies of Christ. Everybody's not their own little church. God has one body. One new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in what? 
one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off and to them that were nigh. For through him we both, Jews and Gentiles, have access by one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. Don't you ever forget it. There's one body, and we got in that one body by one spirit. Oh, I wish I had a voice to preach it tonight. You better be sure that you're in the body of Christ. You better make sure that you're endeavoring to be a part of the church of the living God. uh, Paul said, don't let any man take your crown. Don't let anybody get you out. Don't let anybody push you out. Don't let anybody intimidate you out. Somebody say amen. All right. Well, you're already there, I guess. Uh, we all are, have access by one spirit. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you're not strange anymore. You're not foreigners, but you're a fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord, in whom we also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Everybody say one body. The whole thought of God is one man, and that is Jesus Christ and his body. That's the church. It's not just a question of the head, but a question of the body as well. And thank God we are all individually saved. But you, you may begin as an individual, but you end up as a member of a wonderful body of which there is only one body. It's the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. And God is working toward, that's what the cross is for. That's what redemption is for. Not just for me individually, but to make me become a part of the one body of Christ. Clap your hands unto the Lord tonight. Everybody say one body. Now, that's what God is trying to build up. He's going to have a body. Now, in a practical way, we see God, uh, we see what God is after. Uh, He's after one body. Everybody say one body. Now, what am I after? Everything takes on a different viewpoint when I become a part of the whole. Everything looks different when I become a part of the whole. I am not the whole. Somebody say amen. Let me continue to read Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body. And you want to know who the body is? It's in there. What's the next two words? The church. He is the head of the body. So the church and the body are synonymous terms. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Everybody say there's a head. And everybody say there's a body. Romans 12, 4 and 5, we read it in our text. For as, for as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. We being many are one body. One body. I'm praying the Lord make us one body. Uh, let, me, let me just say to you, that I believe, uh, I understand failure, I understand sin, I understand people being cantankerous, I understand people being stubborn, all that stuff. But let me tell you, the Bible is very explicit about the one hurdle that had to be gotten over before the Holy Ghost was poured out. And it does not say when they got their jealousy figured out. It does not say when they got the pecking order figured out. It says when they got in one mind and one accord. (laughs) Say what you want to, but I believe oneness or division is the greatest hindrance to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in anybody. 
So what are you preaching tonight, preacher? I'm telling you, the body is one. And it's time we recognize that we are not the body, but we are a part of the body. And this body needs me. Help me out just a little bit. This body needs me, and I need you, and we all need one another. Somebody say amen. Got to be that way. So how can these many members with differing functions be linked and fitted together in one body? I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago, if this church was full of mouths, we'd be in trouble. We'd say a lot, but we wouldn't listen very much. And we sure wouldn't do anything, we'd just talk about it. If this church was full of ears, we wouldn't have much to say. We'd be good listeners. You understand what I'm saying? We need every part of the body. There are three things I want to share with you tonight that I feel are very important. And they'll all be up here. I'm, we're not going to, uh, I'll just leave them up there. You can, you can, that way you'll know when I'm about done. The first one is, it defines the relationship between the head of this body and me. God loves every one of you here tonight. But rest assured, rest assured that if you become a detriment to the body. Anybody hearing what I'm saying right now? Listen, God is not going to forfeit that one creation that the cross produced, and that's a body. He's not going to forfeit that for your personal agenda. I know people get upset when they say, Pastor says, well, he's so unfeeling. He said, if you don't like it, don't let the door hit you on the way out. I would like to, for you to understand that that's the way the Lord feels about his body. In fact, we find in Scripture where there are appropriate times to expel something from the body. To protect what? The body. Because he's going to have a church. Somebody say amen. I don't know about you, but I'm glad to be a part of the church. (laughs) Somebody say amen. What is the relationship between the head of this body and me? Well, little old me, sure he loves me, but I can't throw my weight around to the detriment of the whole body. I can become destructive to the body. The second one defines the relationship between the body and myself, all of you and me. And the third part I want to focus on defines my position as a member in the body. What is my responsibility? Somebody say amen. Amen. So the first part of this, what is the relationship between the head and me? And that relationship is this, obedience. Obedience. The relationship between me and the head is obedience. Obedience, obedience to the head which is represented by authority. Everybody say authority. I want you to think about this. Think about portions of your body. We know uh, this one body that God has created through Jesus Christ, he, Jesus being the head, and all of us being members of the body, making up one body. Everybody say one body. I want you to think about any part of your body becoming disconnected from the head. Saying in themselves, I don't submit to that authority any longer. What does that do? It causes paralysis. The moment that any part of your body no longer communicates with your brain, you are paralyzed. (laughs) Well, maybe that's why we like to jump around a little bit in church. We don't want the Lord to think we're disconnected. (laughs) Paralysis sets in. Anytime the head has no authority, the body becomes paralyzed. I cannot run the risk of being a paraplegic in the body. I can't run the risk of being handicapped in the body because of my rebellion against the head. 
I need to stay close to the head. I need to stay connected to Jesus. Come on, church. This is what makes us who we are. This is what makes us who we are. When we stay connected, we can move. We can do what we're supposed to do. We can respond the way we're supposed to respond. The minute I get disconnected from the head, paralysis sets in. I become stiff, unmoving, uncompassionate. What moves him doesn't move me. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? It's a sad day when the relationship between the head and me becomes one where I'm going to tell the head how to run his business. Hey, I want to tell you, I played basketball a few times in my life. There was a couple of young guys here in this church. One of them's still here. I won't call his name. You'd give him a lot of grief. But there's another young man. He's no longer here. But both these boys were a little disconcerted because their moms and dads wouldn't let them play basketball in school. <laughs> One of them felt like, you know, he could probably went pro if his mom and dad would have let him play basketball. I said, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah, I think I could have really been something. I said, okay, you and your little buddy here. <laughs> they were about 17, 16, 17, talking all this stuff about how great they would have been if the church would have had a different stance on basketball. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll tell you what, you two fellas, get out of here. You're old pastor. Here I was, 40-plus years old. I said, I'm going to play both of you boys at the same time, one-on-one, and we'll see how bad you are. Just ask Justin how it went. (laughs) Your son, yeah, Justin Barney, your son, yeah. Oh, no, they were talking all kind of smack. I said, okay, boys, if you were going to be all that, I think they, I think they realized, well, maybe, maybe it wasn't mom's fault that I'm not in the NBA. Hey, if that 40-year-old pot-bellied preacher can beat me by himself. Well, I played a few you know, games of basketball in my day, but there is no way that I'm going to get my little cell phone out and look up LeBron James' phone number and call him tonight and tell him, I've been noticing you've been missing a few free throws. You're not bending your legs at the foul line. You're not pushing through the shot. And begin to tell LeBron James how I think he's messing it up. He is so far beyond my ability. I have no idea. I don't have the ability to talk to him in those terms. Now, I've fished a little bit. I've... Caught a few fish in my day, but, you know, I don't know if I could call Bill Dance and tell him how to get his job done. I can't even tell Mac McGregor how to fish. I've solved a few problems in my lifetime. I've sat in some counseling sessions where, by the grace of God, it got turned around and people got set straight and set on the right course. I don't mean set straight the way you think. I mean set. I mean turned around. You understand what I'm saying? But I don't think I could call President Trump tonight and say, "Hey, look here. I've 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 solved a few problems. I got a few cats out of a few trees. I think I could help you with the policy making of the United States of America." That, that takes a, a degree of involvement that I don't have time for right now. We can say what we would do. You know, I like to fly airplanes, but I can't uh, call up the, the F-16 pilot and tell him this is how you do. No, their ability is so far beyond mine. So why do I think it's my business to tell God how to operate his business? He's God, I'm not. I'm just a little part. Oh, I don't. Come on, clap your hands under the Lord. I'm just a little part. I'm just a little finger. I'm just glad to be a part of the body of Christ. Lord, do your business. I don't want to get disconnected from the body. Oh, somebody clap your hands unto the Lord right now. Well, I understand we know how it ought to be run, how it ought to be done. But you know what? God doesn't do it our way. He's the head. 
And the minute I don't submit to that authority, I get paralyzed and I get unmoving and I sit through services and I don't feel anything. Friend, that, that's not an indictment on the body. You say, oh, I don't feel anything anymore. They, and I, I, I let it go in my ears and I don't know, do they even have the understanding to know what they're saying? That's not an indictment on the body. It means there's a connection that's been lost. There is a body that's moving. There's a body that's got the blood flowing. There's somebody that's responding. You can't blame it on everybody because you don't feel anything. Maybe it's you. Oh no, it can't be me. It's got to be everybody else. That's what I'm talking about. It's exactly what I'm talking about. There's one body and you're just a member of it. Oh, Rusty Goodman, one of my favorite singers when I was growing up, he used to sing a song, Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would say, Not my will, thine for? The answer I may never know, why he ever loved me so. To the old rugged cross he would go. Who am I? I don't want to ever lose the awe of being called into a wonderful body. That leads me to what relationship between the church, what is the relationship between me and the body? Now the head, I've got to stay connected or I'll get paralyzed. I'll get unmoved. I won't weep. I won't rejoice. But what about the church? What about the rest of the body? Fellowship of the body is a matter of reality and necessity. Fellowship implies the receiving of assistance from other members. Fellowship means that I receive the special features of other members. In other words, I benefit from who and what they are. And sometimes we don't understand the magnitude of this. Sometimes we don't understand that we benefit from what others are and what they can do. We want to pray, grow spiritually, read our Bibles and do our own little course studies because we're growing as an individual. But fellowship implies the fact that I am limited and I am willing to accept what comes from other people when I say, you know what? I can't do this by myself. Somebody say amen. Amen. Experience tells us that occasionally, listen, on account of poor health or, or maybe for other reasons, we cannot pray and maybe don't even feel like reading the Bible. How many's ever done that? You, you felt today's not a good day. I just, I don't know. I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Anybody ever wake up that way? I feel tired or discouraged. How many's ever felt discouraged and didn't even know why? Raise your hand up. Yet inexplicably, inexplicably, listen, you don't even know how it happens. And you, you get up and you feel a little discouraged, but somewhere in the process of that day or maybe the next day or maybe during that week, you get a supernatural touch. All of a sudden, you wake up the next day and it's like, wait a minute, I don't feel that anymore. Something. Oh. See, and you don't even know what it is. Many times we are weak and we're feeling insignificant and we're feeling discouraged, and God somehow carries us through. How does that happen? No, it's not just the head doesn't do that, the head sends the signals. Somebody is carrying me through. And I don't want you to be mistaken about it. It is the strength of the body that is supplying the needs of one another. What it means is somebody's praying for me. Somebody's fasting for me. Somebody's touching God for me. And I don't even know it. That's what that means. Oh, come on, praise the Lord right now. Oh, come on, praise the Lord right now. Somebody's praying. 
Somebody's fasting. Man, oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. It is life from another member in that body that is flowing into me. Oh, I know. We like to, in, your, in my head, in your head, that when I start, we're not even at the bottom of it yet. But when I start digging in all this, I think, oh, it's Jesus. Yeah, he's my all in all. He's the source of all of it. But don't forget, he's the head. He's the head. And we are the body. Everybody say, we are the body. And I want to tell you, there are times that I was limping. There was times that I was limping. And I don't know who that other leg was. But that other leg got stronger and said, come on, I'm going to help you get through this. There were times I couldn't pick anything up. I was weak. But there was somebody in the spirit that got a hold of what I was holding on to. And they began to help me. That's what it means to be in the body. One body. Saints of God, keep on praying. You don't know who it is that needs it. You don't know who woke up discouraged this morning. And that one little prayer you're praying could be the difference between night and day. Come on, keep on coming to church. Keep on being faithful. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. I wish I could... I don't know. I'm getting too old to even shout anymore. When I begin to realize that I'm standing here today because there are prayers of God's people that held me up. I realized tonight that it wasn't just all Jesus. No, there was a wonderful body that the cross produced. Oh, we need each other. Oh, we need to recognize how important the body is. Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now. Hallelujah. Lord, help us tonight. Help us tonight. Thank you, Lord. Now, I want you to get excited for me. I'm going to have to calm down or I'm not going to have a voice left. (laughs) So don't let me hold you back. You feel like shouting, shout for me. (laughs) I'm going to need somebody else in the body to be my voice tonight. (laughs) But not only what is my relationship between the body or the church and me, how wonderful it is to be a part because there are days that I don't know who it was I don't know who it was, but somebody touched God. I want to also share with you my relationship as a member in the body. My relationship uh, with uh, the church is fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. Between the church and me is fellowship. But my relationship as a member in the body is service. Everybody say service. My relationship to the head is obedience. My relationship to the church is fellowship. My relationship as a member in the body is service. Everybody say service. So when you see that the life of the body is communicated and mutually supplied by every member, you will not like to be one who consumes all of that energy. When you realize that every member is producing life for the body, you start, you begin to say, I don't want to be the one thing that consumes all that life. Just think about it. Your body is an active living organism. Uh, I I went to the doctor this week because of all this stuff and 
And of course, I'm 53 years old. And Dr. Seth Haas said, well, since you're 53, we're going to run some tests on you. And uh, praise God, all those came back normal. <laughs> I said, could you tell my family that, that I'm normal, please? <laughs> and so, but, but what, what if there's a part of you that be- begins to, to uh, consume all of the life's energy that your body has? I want you to think about cancer, if I say cancer. We begin to think about cancer, the subtlety of cancer is that those cancer cells, when it begins in the body, it'll wrap itself in protein. It'll wrap itself in protein so that the, the blood cells, the white blood cells in your body, they, they, they're, they're on an eradication mission. They're fighting infection. They're fighting disease. When they come across these cancerous cells, they look like protein. And the, and the fighting system of your body discards it and keeps right on going, looking for the infection, not knowing it's passing up the, the, the real killer because the killer is mask and protein. And only when that cancer, and I don't know how it works, but only when that cancer uh, has multiplied to the point where it can overwhelm the immune system does it throw off the protein. It throws off the mask. And now it's, it doesn't care that it's out in the open and it begins to fight your body. It actually begins to rob your body of all the life-giving energy in your system. This is what cancer is. It's abnormal cells. It's abnormal life energy in your body. It's robbing you. We don't need any cancer or tumor in the church. We need to understand that that this body is unique and wonderful and I'm to supply my part, but I am not to be the one that consumes all of it on on myself. Well, it's all about me and it's all about my family. We ought to get to do what we want to do. Well, wait a minute. You may be a cancer if you're not careful. Well, I like it this way and I like it that way. Well, absolutely. I'm starting to think about what I like. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? I could throw my weight around and say, now wait a minute, it's going to be this way or the highway. And I begin to consume all the energy that's in this church. You know what a black hole is? You know what the black hole in outer space is? It's where all the energy flows in. It just, just sucks up all the energy. You know there's black holes in a worship service? We're trying to worship God. You're just sucking it all in. Not a giver, not a server, folks. I'm trying to encourage you to understand how important this body is. We're to be servants. We're to serve the body. We are not to consume the energy. We are to supply the energy. Well, I'm here for my blessing. I'm here for God to do for me and for me. But wait a minute. What have I given to this service? What have I put in here? What if the majority of your natural body was consuming life energy and doing nothing to supply it? You wouldn't be here very long. The strength of the body fails when there are more consuming life than supplying life. This is why we must pray. This is why we must pray for one another. God wills that you, through prayer, supply life to the rest of the body. Yeah, I remember as a little kid, we thought it was pretty cool to wrap that rubber band in grade school, wrap it, you know, you had it in your little pencil box. <laughs> had it in your little pencil box. Reach in there, get your little rubber band out, and you start wrapping it up around your finger, you get it so tight, you can't wrap it one more time. And you tap your friend on the shoulder and show him your purple finger. (laughs) You start losing feeling in it. You start thumping it and it's just dead as a hammer. I don't know, maybe you can get a hammer. (laughs) This is when the supply is cut off, there's insensitivity and 
There's all kind of things that can happen. All of a sudden, you're more susceptible to disease. You're more susceptible to infection. And what you need is to be connected to the body so that the supply of life can come into you and flow out of you. This is why service ought to be interactive. We ought to give something and we ought to receive something. Paul said when you come together, every one of you have a testimony. Every one of you have a song. Every one of you have a prophecy. Notice he didn't say anything about you getting anything. He said come prepared to give life to the rest of the body. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. I'm I'm drawing to a close. Thank you, Lord. So let's talk about let's talk about supplying life. Let's talk about since since we're members of a body, we're individual members, but members one of another in one body. The Bible says how we ought to respond to one another. What it means to be a supplier of life. Everybody say supply life. Say supply life. What it means to supply life back to the body. You know what? Just a cursory study in Scripture, when it begins to deal with how we're supposed to respond to one another, you start recognizing how life is to be given. John 13 says, love one another. That's life-giving. Romans 12, be kindly affection one to another. Honor one another. Prefer one another. Romans 14, do not judge one another. Romans 15, receive one another. Romans 15, 14, admonish one another. Romans 16, salute one another with a holy kiss. And no, we like to wink, wink, and snicker, snicker. There's some things in Scripture. We're Bible believers, but that kissing part. (laughs) Come right up here, Brother Dale. Come right up here, Brother Dale. We're going to see if you're a life giver. Come right on up here. No, right here. Stand right here in front of me. Look right at me. He don't even want to face me. He don't even want to face me. Listen to me. Paul said to give life, we need to salute one another. And then he says, salute them with a holy kiss. Now in our society, we have gender problems, don't we? We don't know whether we're male or female. But I want to tell you something. We like to talk about how we're Bible believers. (laughs) I'm telling you right now. Paul said... Our love for one another ought to be so pure. Now, I'm not going to kiss Dale. I was waiting to tell him that. But our love ought to be so pure, and our motive ought to be so pure. Right. Amen. I'm talking about giving life to another brother. I'm talking about Brother Jerry Tinsman. He wasn't raised in this faith. But in his faith, they kiss one another. They kiss each other on the cheek. And he walked up to me and he felt so much love for his pastor. He grabbed me and he kissed me on the cheek. And immediately he stiffened up and he said, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I said, Jerry, don't you ever apologize. That's right. That's I know right. you love your pastor. Amen. In fact, come here, I'm going to kiss you back. And I kissed him on the cheek. Now, I understand, we, you know, we, oh, that means you kiss them on the lips and all that. No, I'm not going to get into all that stuff. But I do, I do not want to just laugh it away and say, well, we don't do that. Maybe we ought to examine ourselves and say, you know, do we love each other like we should? That our motive ought to be pure. Galatians 5 says, serve one another. Galatians 6 says, bear one another's burdens. That's how I give life. I don't want to burden anybody else. I want to be a burden bearer. Ephesians 4 uh, 4, 4 and 2 says, Forbearing one another. That means be patient and restrained. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, Be kind one to another. Be tender hearted one to another. Colossians 3 says, Forgiving one another. 1 Thessalonians 4 says, Comfort one another with these words. You know what those are, don't you? 
Jesus is coming back. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 11 says, edify one another. Hebrews 3 and 13 says, exhort one another daily. That means encourage one another. Hebrews 10, 24, consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. And I'm closing. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 26. Read this out loud with me if you would. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. And one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. It does not say when one member suffers, all the members ought to suffer with it. Notice it's up there. It says when one member suffers, all the members suffer. This is why I need to pray every day. Oh, you're not hearing me. This is why I need to stay on fire. Because when I begin to suffer, it doesn't say everybody else ought to suffer. It says, believe it or not, when I begin to suffer, you all begin to suffer. When you begin to suffer, we all suffer. When one member is honored, it doesn't say you ought to rejoice. It says when one member is honored, you rejoice with it. God's word says that when one member suffers, it is an actual fact that all members suffer with it. When one member is honored, it's an actual fact that all members rejoice with it. This explains why there are times when for no apparent reason you feel really good. Man, if I knew where the devil was, I'd grab him today and tie his tail up into a big old sycamore tree. And there are other times you feel very heavy. You feel very broken. You feel very burdened. And you don't know why. There's no other reason for this but the communication feeling between the members of the body. The Lord said it through the Apostle Paul. He said, when one member is suffering, you all suffer with it. And so you get up and you think, man, why am I feeling this way? And you start checking your temperature and you think, well, did I backslide while I was asleep? No, you're a member of a much bigger body and somebody's suffering today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You do realize, you do realize. Thank you, Lord. You do realize that you can fill up the needs of other members of the body. Do you realize that? Do you realize that there are people that have needs that I can personally fill up the difference? That's why in a service, when people don't feel like worshiping, I'm not going to get up there and say, come on, why don't you feel like... No, I need to worship because I may be filling up the difference. Anybody all right? We all must receive life from the body and we must give life to the body. The children of God joined together as a body is not just a doctrine, it's a fact. So we must be willing to give help to brothers and sisters. We must be willing to receive help. We must be willing to give it and we must be willing to receive it. I want you to notice one verse of scripture and I'm closing. No, I'm closed. Okay, it's closed. Colossians 1.24. Anybody remember Paul saying, I rejoice in my sufferings? You know why he rejoiced? It's found here in Colossians 1.24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. You know what Paul's saying? I'm happy to be suffering because you know what? I'm suffering to fill up what is lacking in the rest of the body. He's saying if my suffering fills up the part of suffering for the body so that somebody else doesn't have to, then I'm going to rejoice in my affliction. No, oh, now wait a minute. What an attitude that says my suffering. I'll take the suffering part so you don't have to take the suffering part. I am making up the difference for all of you because I've chosen to suffer. Now, 
What kind of attitude is that? That, uh, I don't know about the rest of you, but when, when it's time for me to suffer, I start thinking, well, why me, Lord? Think about the body, all of us saying, why me, Lord? We don't understand the concept that maybe I'm burdened so somebody else can have a day of relief. Well, Brother Gene, I'm just tired of feeling this burden. Well, maybe you need to understand that I'm making up the difference for somebody else. And maybe that will help you rejoice. Uh, Anybody okay? I came to praise the Lord. Does that mean it's perfect? No, but I may just be making up the difference. So Paul said, I want to tell you why I'm rejoicing in my sufferings. Not because I'm some sick-minded man that likes to suffer. No, I'm filling up that which is lacking. I'm making a difference in what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. I'm taking it on me. I rejoice in suffering because I'm doing my part for the body. We don't understand really how much we affect and uh, influence one another as a part of the body. Lord, help us recognize that tonight. I want you to stand with me and I want you to pray.